Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to the latest edition of Pirates Talk presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. The Big East tournament begins tomorrow with three games at Madison Square Garden, including Seton Hall's matchup against DePaul at 5.30 p.m., with the winner playing Xavier on Thursday night in the quarterfinal round. The Pirates wrapped up the season with a convincing 14-point road win over Providence to finish 10-10 in the conference, 17-14 overall. The win snapped the three-game losing streak and all but assures the team an NIT bid in Shaheen Holloway's first season as head coach. But do the Pirates have a chance at an invitation to the big dance? The answer is, as you'll hear, yes, although it is a long shot and doesn't necessarily mean they have to win the conference tournament championship. That's one of the topics discussed with my guest Jerry Carino, the outstanding college hoops writer and general columnist for the Asbury Park Press. We'll also talk about which team is Jerry's choice to win the tournament, what excites him about this year's get-together, why the Hall has looked better on offense the last two games, and how he assesses Holloway's first year on the job. All that and more coming up after a message from Jag One Physical Therapy. A proud sponsor of Seton Hall Athletics, Jag One Physical Therapy gets you back to the life you love. Voted the number one physical therapy company based on first-class patient care and outcomes, Jag One Physical Therapy is invested in your full recovery. Your preferred in-network rehabilitation provider, Jag One Physical Therapy, has convenient locations throughout New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www jag1pt.com Jerry my old friend it's good to talk to you at this exciting time of the season uh, what are you most looking forward to as the Big East tournament is about to unfold well it's there's no event like it Matt it's it, to me it's the pinnacle of of college basketball because you have the best arena in the country you have a league with such tremendous legacy and I think really good teams this year and the other thing is you have great storylines like each year has its own storylines there's really good ones this year i mean you have some teams that i think could could make a final four uh and you have some a couple teams that have the potential to really uh create chaos in the bracket and you know you have a couple of coaches who are on their last legs so i foresee a lot of drama and i also foresee and I, this was a, somewhat the case last year but especially now that we've gotten past you know, COVID and the world is totally back to normal. I foresee a really rocking Madison Square Garden for three or four days. And that's that's what makes this event special. Well, we're going to dive into that, of course. But I, I do just want to go back to, you know, you mentioned the, the legacy. And, of course, it's got a great legacy. But the league is different from the one that was founded uh, such a long time ago. Uh, so what what's the difference? You've been around for all of them. What, what, what's the difference between what? once was when the Cuse was a part of it and et cetera, et cetera, to what we see now. And how is the atmosphere different? So there's the league, the big East in my mind went through three phases, right? There was the, there was the, the first phase, which was the, the glamorous big East that people think of. And that the documentaries about, you know, the, the, the uh, Louis Carnesecca and St. John's and Patrick Ewing playing for Georgetown and Pearl Washington and Syracuse and those, you know, those great teams of that era, of course, Seton Hall with PJ Carlissimo, uh, that's phase one. And that, that nothing, nothing's going to ever top that probably Matt, Right. I mean, you were there, yep. you remember that's always going to be the, the pinnacle, uh, of the, of the league with the great players and the hall of fame coaches and, and just where it was the center of the universe. Then phase two 
was this giant league that got up to 16 teams uh, with this mishmash of like these big state schools and these, these small Catholic schools. And, you know, they would send 10, 11 teams to the NCAA tournament, but it would be very hard. It was very, very hard for the, some of the legacy schools in the big East to like these Catholic schools, like your Seton Hall's, your Providence's to, to break through and do something when they're dealing with sort of these apples and oranges with these football schools, like the Louisville's would, you know, would dominate. Um, so that was another phase that I think the league lost its identity a little bit, even though it was really deep and there was a lot going on. Uh, and then now you have, you know, you have phase three, which is the, the, the reconstituted league and of the, the, you know, the, the Catholic schools, the small schools, the basketball, the schools that live and die on basketball. And the adding of UConn to that mix, I think, has been important, like welcoming UConn back, you know, giving them the lifeline when the UConn program was sort of drying up, um, desperate, you know, sinking in the American Athletic Conference. And you see what's happened to UConn. Like they've become a powerhouse again very quickly under our old friend Dan Hurley. And the UConn fans are going to invade Madison Square Garden. So I think... What I would say is, like, that's a long-winded answer to your question, but the short answer is it means more to the people, the schools, the fans who are there. Basketball is everything, and that's kind of how it used to be, even though it's not obviously not as good as it was in the 80s and 90s, but that, that, that desire, that desperation, that, like, that this is everything for us, you can feel that vibe in this tournament, and so, like, that's where the league is at now it's not as good as it was but it's very good and it's deeply deeply meaningful again this particular tournament is probably as wide open as it's been there's always been surprise teams but you know you look at the the top teams and marquette's on a run at the end they've won six straight they're the number one seed saviors won three in a row creighton's won a pair you've got yukon that's on the come they've won five straight Providence drops their last game to Seton Hall. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. And then Villanova seems to finally, with good health returning, putting it all together. And they'll need to run this tournament in order to make the tournament as they're just above 500 overall. You know, and then you've got the other teams, including Seton Hall, that are hoping for a little magic. Do, do you see this as just a wide open? There's really no way to know what's going to happen come Saturday night. So there's four teams that could you could reasonably see making a final four run in the league, right? Uh, Marquette, which is the champion and you know, deserves to be the number one seed. And then UConn, who's red hot and has a lot of luck going for it. Uh, then Xavier, which is a lot of talent and, uh, and Creighton. Remember Creighton was the preseason runaway favorite to win the league. So they're, they're no slouch. You could, those four teams given the right draw could make a final four in the NCAAs. Uh, so th in that sense, yes. And, then you have uh, a couple of X factors like Villanova, which is red hot, and Seton Hall, which has played really, really well and in the last game and maybe could be peaking late for a variety of reasons. So I do think there, it's, there, there are four teams that can win it. I don't know if Providence, the way they're playing, can win the biggest tournament. I also think there's the potential for chaos in the bottom half of the bracket for Seton Hall and Villanova to maybe throw some monkey wrenches into the into the mix here. And so, yeah, um, it's, it is kind of hard to predict. I do. I, I, I would say UConn is probably my, will be who I would pick because they're really good. They're really hot. And unlike Marquette, 
they're going to have 6,000 fans there taking over that building. Uh, that said, yes, there's there's really good parity at the top of the league. So it's going to be – the results could be very wild. You don't like Providence and their chances simply because they've stumbled down the stretch here? Yeah, they didn't They didn't play great down the stretch. I even like the way they looked against Seton Hall. Some of that was Seton Hall. And I just don't think – I just don't know if Providence has the firepower uh, to compete with those top teams. And also, they were so good in their building all year. You know, they maybe were a little overly reliant at home, even though they'd lost their last two games, 15-2 and two at home. So they're not going to have that. I mean, that place was a total circus, people flinging beers and whatnot <laughs> onto the court. Uh, they're not going to have that. And so without that, yeah, I, although they will have fans there. Providence fans do come to this tournament. No, I would not put them in the category with the top four right now. Yeah, 500 on the road and 0-2 on neutral. It was, it was the home court advantage that really propelled them this year. So what happened on Saturday uh, in their <laughs> final game? And what happened to Seton Hall in its final game? Where was that performance all season long for the most part? I can't really speak for Providence, what their issues were, but for Seton Hall, it's, you know, it's easy to say like the shots just fell and they, the old saying in basketball, and that is good shooting cures a lot of ills. Right. But, but I think if you looked at it, Seton Hall played a good, they played a good offensive game against Villanova the game prior. They scored 72 points. They were really good in the first half. And 72 points a lot for this team this year. And then that they exploded at Providence. The, what was the common denominator? It was that Femi Odakali got the reins at point guard. And this is not a slight on Kadari Richmond, who we all know is really talented and has taken over games and won games for Seton Hall in the past. But it seemed to me that that uh, that Odakali is more comfortable with the ball in his hands. He wasn't able to have that role with Richmond there. So he was kind of out of place and really struggling to find his identity offensively. Now we've seen him hit stride and the team hit stride around him as a point guard ball distributor, but a guy who can also score. Uh, and also a guy who defends the point position really well. So he's the X factor. Like if he's hitting stride late. And the other thing is, remember he's a transfer. So like in the old days, Matt, the transfers had to sit out a year. So like when Quincy McKnight came over to Seton Hall from Sacred Heart, he had to sit out a year and he practiced with the team and learned the system, learned the ropes, learned the personnel, learned his staff, coaching staff, and then was ready to, to plug in and play right away the next year. Like that's that sit out year is gone. So these guys are adjusting on the fly to a new system. It's not always automatic. And like talking and talking to Shaheen Holloway and just watching with my own eyes, it seems like Femi, it is now clicked for him, right? After trying to find his way and maybe the opening created by Kadari Richmond's back injury has enabled him to sort of do that. Uh, but certainly it's clicking with him. So he's played two really good games running their offense. And their offenses look really good for two games, exceptional in the last game. So I do think you can make a case that it wasn't a one-off at Providence and that because Femi is late blooming here, their offense has turned a corner. And that, with the way they defend, that's an enticing prospect for the Pirates. Well, because offense has always been the problem this year for Seton Hall. Right. They, they can look just awful in their sets but the defense right. has always been there and defense travels as they say and the defense never rests for Seton Hall so that that will serve them as they they play DePaul but DePaul has given them fits they've won both games this year against DePaul but still DePaul seems to give Seton Hall historically uh, some problems just uh, give us the quick scouting report 
on the game that Seton Hall will play as we record this tomorrow. We're recording this on Tuesday morning, tomorrow at 530. Right. They've beaten Seton Hall's beaten DePaul narrowly twice this year by like four or five points, both at home and on the road. And look, DePaul's always an athletic team that hits the glass hard. They've beaten Seton Hall pretty badly on the glass. Uh, and Seton Hall's a little vulnerable on the glass because they really only have one one biggies big man in Tyree Samuel. And if he gets in foul trouble or is having an off game, uh, you know, they that's problematic. Although Casey Defo is a good rebounder, but they're a little vulnerable there. So yeah, they haven't matched up great with DePaul. DePaul's also lost 12 straight games, 12. I mean, so there has to be a demoralization factor there, uh, a doubt factor there, and they have no fans. There are no DePaul fans to begin with, and so they're not going to be appearing at Madison Square Garden. Uh, You want a good seat at the game, Matt? Here's a pro (laughs) tip to your listeners. Sneak down into the de- behind the DePaul bench where there'll be rows of empty seats, okay? So you can go down there and get past the usher and then settle in and watch the game from two rows back because there's just no support. See, so all have the people there. So, but yes, DePaul does, they do the way they attack the glass has created headaches for Seton Hall in the past. So, like, the number one thing for Seton Hall is going to be to defend the glass. Uh, you know, to, get to rebound, especially defensive rebounding, but also offensive rebounding, because that's a good way for Seton Hall to get junk points, maybe if the shots aren't falling. So, so yeah, that's a thing. But Seton Hall should be favored in this game. They should be able to win this game. It's never easy against the Paul, but in the end, it doesn't matter. You just find a way to win the game, and I think they will win it. And then they move on if they do win, and they'll face uh, Xavier uh, in the second round in a 7 o'clock matchup at Madison Square Garden on Thursday. Uh, so back to Kadari Richmond, what do we know about him? Uh, you know, I, I know news is sometimes tight coming out of college campuses, so to speak. Uh, uh, you'll find out, I guess, in warmups maybe, but what are you well, expecting? Well, he hasn't practiced. I mean, he is Tuesday so, morning. We're talking on Tuesday morning, and he hasn't practiced. So not likely. So I don't think so. I mean, now, listen, it's who knows? He could he could practice today and then play tomorrow night. Um and you never know if you're getting the entire truth, but from my understanding is he hasn't practiced yet. So I think he's probably not going to play. Uh, we'll see if they advance, you know, a day, does he heal more? And can he play in the later round? We'll see. Uh, I wouldn't expect him. I wouldn't, I'm not going to rule him out right now, but I wouldn't expect him. Uh, I, I don't know what Trey Jackson's deal is with his ankle. It's obviously not as, I don't think it's as consequential as Kadari. Uh, but yeah, they're going to be, Seat is going to be shorthanded in this. And they got guys playing a lot of minutes, but, uh, as Shaheen Holloway said, you know, we talked yesterday, he said, look, forget about the minutes, forget about fatigue. This is March. This is where your reputation's made. And so there's no time for that other stuff. So they played like, you know, the seven guys against Providence. They didn't look tired then. So we'll see. It's ironic, right? That Seton Hall loses its best player and yet has been able to put it together offensively for reasons that, that you articulated earlier, but it's interesting. You lose a guy who was going into the season, second team all Big East voted, didn't live up to that, had some health issues. You know, you mentioned the right. back and so on and so forth. But uh, so without that talent, they've actually played better. This team has confounded me, and you see them much more often than I do. I get to as many games as I can, but my work with the Devils precludes me from getting to all of them. In fact, I missed the last two home games, watched from afar, but can't see it in person. And you're much more attuned. Uh, sometimes I, when I watch this team, I, I wonder if they 
like each other at times. <laughs> you know, it's a group that's <laughs> it's a group that's been put together. Obviously, a lot of first year guys, first year coach, so many changes. And I guess if we look back at it, uh, probably they've they've done just about what people would have expected. They had that terrific run, you know, midway starting the second half of the season where you thought, okay, maybe something special could happen. But overall, you know, I, I don't think there's anything really to complain about, except sometimes, like I said, I, I don't see that cohesion. I'm not saying that it's, right. a, you know, deep-seated dislike for each other. No, maybe, yeah, maybe it's just that. Your eyes aren't lying to you. I mean, they do, they are disjointed a lot of the time. And it's, I don't think it has anything to do with personalities. I think it has to do with the situation where they were, they, you threw together a program, a team with a new, new coaching staff. The entire staff is new. Uh, you brought in you brought in four transfers, uh, who were impact players who were playing major minutes. You had four holdovers from Kevin Willard, you know, his team, and you brought up two freshmen. So, like, that's your rotation: is four transfers, four holdovers, and two freshmen. Now, some guys are hurt, so that's dwindled a little bit, but that's a, a weird mix to throw in with a new staff. And like when you saw people saw Shaheen Holloway's team at St. Peter's functioning really well as a unit last year, those guys have been together for three years. You know, the staff had been together. Those players were all th their third year together. So th it's very difficult to get all the pieces to fit, especially with the cohesion needed on offense, you know, with the to sort of know what people's favorite spots are to get a sense for who can handle the ball and what situation uh, there's just a feel there that this group hasn't had a time to develop. And, you know, maybe some guys are miscast. Like Al Dawes was a really good role player at Clemson where he could hit spot up threes and, and defend well. But, you know, he being asked, being asked to be a featured scorer might be a little bit much for him when there's not another guy consistently hitting a three pointer. You know, Dre Davis comes from Louisville. He's missed six weeks total with two different injuries. There's a guy who's shooting the lights out right now. Like they needed him for and he wasn't out. He wasn't there for a long time. So that hurt the cohesion. Then he comes back. So that changes the cohesion. So there's been some circumstances, but I think in general, fans gotta understand, I gotta remind myself too, that like when you throw all these pieces together out of the cold, out of the blue, it takes time and and sometimes it doesn't happen. It might take a year, you know? And so that's what's different with the transfer portal being the way it is now. Like it's not always going to fit perfectly and it hasn't been a great fit, but not personality wise, just flow wise, role wise, you know, getting, building the cohesion on the court, like you said, has been in fits and starts. And so maybe it's something that's coming together late as you saw at Providence. We'll see. Well, they finished 10 and 10 in the conference and they'll finish above 500. So uh, a good first year for Shaheen Holloway, uh, but a growing year too, I think for him, this is not St. Peter's, and this is not the Mac, and it's a different animal that that he's coaching. And I mean, he's familiar with it. Great player for the Hall, an assistant coach for a long time. But it's a little different when you're the head guy of a Big East program, isn't it? No question. That's a great point that you bring up. Is that there's and Shaheen will tell you this. He he was he's been overwhelmed, I think, with the responsibilities off the court of a coach in a high major program. Shaheen Holloway can coach basketball. You don't beat you don't beat Kentucky and Purdue in the NCAA tournament with a group of two-star players, if you can't coach, coach your rear end off. The guy can coach basketball. He can develop players. He's a good game coach. The difference is the spotlight, the stage, and the responsibilities of a head coach at the high major level as the, as the face of a program are much different. And so I think it was a lot for him, and it took some getting used to. 
and at times overwhelming for him at times didn't handle it. You know, maybe the perfect way that he would have wanted to uh, Kevin Willard's first year was very similar. It was just so long ago. People don't remember. Plus it was, you know, the pre social media or right at the dawning of social media. So things were less magnified. Willard really struggled as like a young coach coming from Iona. He struggled with that face of the program thing at Seton Hall. And so even though Shaw knows the place and knows the lay of the land, I do think he learned a lot this year about being a front man and managing the spotlight. And also like it really aided him that he, when he would lose games and he, I think that, you know, eating at him in public, the way it was like, people didn't notice that at St. Peter's because no one paid attention when they lost. Yep. So there's a lot of adjustment on his part. Uh, I do think that was his biggest growth area this year, the area he had to grow. And, you know, he's been good. He's been good, Matt. Everything he's ever done, he's been a success. So I think he'll figure it out. But yes, he, there was definitely a big learning curve for him on the public facing part of the job that I think maybe overwhelmed him at times. And that'll be something that, you know, in year two, he'll, he'll know better about. Just a few more minutes with Jerry Carino. And uh, Jerry, I, I do appreciate your time very much. Thank you. Uh, so before we ask you to look into the crystal ball and predict a winner here from a Seton Hall standpoint, this is all at this point, it's the NIT. I mean, even if they win the tournament and it would be in a mir miraculous run, we're all hoping that it happens, but I, I don't necessarily see it happen because you've written lately, the seating committees don't seem to be taking the conference tournaments as seriously or into consideration as much, much as they once did. So for Seton Hall, Saturday basically meant by beating Providence, NIT, here we come. But, you know, it's interesting because I did, I have been saying and writing that, but then, you know, my bracketologist, Brad Wachtel, who's Jersey guy, who's one of the top rated bracketologists, he tells me that he thinks Seton Hall could get, could maybe sneak in if they make the final. And if they beat, the, the path would matter. Like, they'd have to beat Xavier, and then they'd have to beat Creighton, like not Villanova, you know what I mean? They need yeah. to beat the the bigger heavyweight. He thinks if they do that, they could be in the mix uh, without winning the final. And the rationale is that the bubble is so soft, there's just a dearth of teams. So, like, the, the committee might not have a choice but to look at what happened during championship week to fill the spot with a, with a team that's capable. So I, I, I would say if Brad's saying it and the guy's accuracy rate is really high, yeah, he's amazing. Then I'll, I'll have to defer to him and say, there is a, there is a remote possibility that if they beat the Paul Xavier and Creighton in that order and lose the Big East championship game, that they could get some strong consideration on selection Sunday. Most likely they're headed for the NIT uh, and probably an NIT home game to start. And in year one for Shaheen Holloway, it's about setting the culture, laying the groundwork. I feel like that's been done. Uh, when you consider that they, you know, they never had Alexis Yetna, who was like a huge piece to this front court. Probably that's NIT Matt, making the NIT, finishing ten and ten in the league, having a winning season, which they will have no matter what. Like that probably matches a reasonable expectation. But the most important thing was to like lay a foundation, and you see an identity emerging for Seton Hall basketball, and that, that's the key, and I think that's been done. Well, there's the path is there, but it just seems improbable. That, that, because I said this to a friend of mine the other day, not, notwithstanding the Providence game, but I go, it, the, the, the team just doesn't pass the eye test a lot uh, to be a, a top 68 team. But as you mentioned, there's a dearth of candidates, and so, yeah, maybe. 
maybe that's it's just one of those years that if they're able to pull off this incredible run, that they can have some hope. We'll see. You take it one game at a time. Yeah. Right? Oh, like yeah, yeah, be, yeah. They should beat. Well, let me just take it through. They should beat DePaul. And then they get Xavier. And I think they could beat Xavier. I really do. They almost beat him out there. They got walloped at home because like, it was right after Richmond went out. And like they didn't, re- Femi hadn't really adjusted to running the team. But there, you know, I don't know if you noticed what went on at the end of the Xavier game. Yeah. But there was some shenanigans that went on. And I tell you, that's going to come up in a locker room if Seton Hall plays Xavier. It's going to come up before the game. Because Xavier was out there with the starters in, chucking threes in the last minute of the game, up 27. That's a breach of protocol. And Seton Hall, it, it stuck in their craw. Okay. And so, like, that doesn't mean they're going to beat Xavier. What it means is they're going to throw punch Xavier. And so Xavier better be able to handle that throw punch if they play again. And can they? Uh, with all Seton Hall fans there and, you know, fewer Xavier fans in the building, I don't know. Probably because they have a lot of talent. But I don't know. I think Seton Hall is better than a puncher's chance to beat Xavier. Now, can they win the game after that? I, who knows? What, who will even be against? Probably not. But it would not shock me if Seton Hall is playing in the semifinals on Friday. Hey, survive in advance, right? That's all you do. You play one at a That's time. That's what it's about. As you said. So the last two I have for you is just going back to what you said at the beginning of the interview. You know, what excites you about this tournament? You mentioned two coaches. Is this the, la- is this the last we're going to see of Patrick Ewing at Georgetown? Is this the last we're seeing of Mike Anderson at St. John's? Yes. I assume yes, those are the two you're talking about. Yeah, Ewing. You'll see him all right. He'll be in Georgetown's. He'll be in their upper uh, administration, sitting in a luxury box next year. <laughs> You'll see him there. Uh, he's done. He's done a terrible job. You he just has. cannot hire the. You cannot hire these pro coaches. It's like it's like two different sports: the NBA and college basketball. You just can't do it. Uh, we saw that up close with Eddie Jordan here at Rutgers. It's just not. It's not doable. They're two different sports. Um, so Patrick's gone, and then Mike Anderson is almost certainly gone. Uh, at St. John's. Yeah, he's been a good coach. He's had a terrific career. But four years and St. John's not sniffing the NCAA tournament. And to really be playing terribly this year, uh, you know, it just doesn't it's it's just not gonna happen. It's an awkward fit. He's you know a southern guy, uh fish out of water and just probably too old for the job at this point. So I think they're gonna move on from him. I don't know who the coach is gonna be. Are they going to make a run at Rick Pitino? I'm sure he'd love to coach there. I think he ha- he lives on a golf course in New York. <laughs> Wing foot, maybe. And you Wing think? Foot? Yeah. And do you? I'm th- serious. I'm not joking. I think he has a house on the golf course. Oh yeah, they have they have housing there. Yeah. You know who used to live there? Ralph Branca had a place. Oh there. yeah. Yeah. He's, there you go. But but has Rick been making enough noise about how like he's he's not long for the Mac and Iota. <laughs> my, I mean, goodness. my goodness. He's making it so clear. Jeez. Oh Lord. I mean, could you contain I'm it just a little bit? Have I, know. A little decor. I, always, I, I never look, look, my, my MO is, and this is what I like about Shaheen Holloway. I never like to rap a coach for speaking their mind. Cause like, I don't want to be fed cliches and BS, but Rick's got to tone it down a little bit. Like he doesn't need to insult the Mac. Okay. The Mac's a good mid major league. It's produced a lot of Good teams and coaches over the years. He doesn't need to insult them. And gave so him just, a chance to get back in the game. They did. They did. They, they threw him a bone when he was in Greece doing whatever, and he was disgraced. So, yes, he should he should just be a little bit more respectful. Come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll see him at St. John's, but I don't. Who knows? Who knows? He's going to be he'll coach somewhere else next year. No question about it. And so the last one, Jerry, is looking to the crystal ball. Who is uh, handed the trophy on Saturday night? Who? represents the Big East as Big East tournament champs. 
I foresee Dan Hurley cutting down the nets with UConn, and I just feel like they look. Marquette might be better team than them on a neutral court. This is not going to be a neutral court. This is going to be a UConn home game feel throughout this tournament. Marquette, you know, with they're coming from Milwaukee, they'll have their people, but they won't have anywhere near the number of fans UConn's going to have. UConn has inside. They have good bigs inside. They have terrific guards. They have depth. They play defense. Their offense has been a little sketchy, but they've been playing much better of late. Uh, assuming Hurley can get through the tournament without getting ejected, uh, which you never know. You never know. That's our guy, right? Jersey City and Seton Hall. You never know. But I do think that UConn, I feel like it's UConn's time, and the storyline will be UConn's return to prominence on Saturday night. Jerry, great stuff as always. I know this is a very busy time for you, not only covering the Big East, but the Jersey teams that have a chance. There could be a, a number of teams from the Garden State with bids to the big dance. So uh, I know it's busy for you. Thanks very much for your time. Of course, Matt. This is my time of year, and I enjoy the madness because you know I will. I love talking with Jerry about Seton Hall, the Big East, and college hoops in general. You can read Jerry in the Asbury Park Press, and you can follow him on Twitter at at NJ Hoops Haven. It's a long shot for the Hall to advance to the NCAA tournament, but that's why they play the games, right? So that makes following the Big East tournament awfully interesting. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk, presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. Pirates Talk is available wherever you download your podcasts. Let me know what you think about the show. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks, as always, to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the show and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Matt Lachlan. Be safe, be well, and go Pirates! Thank you.